This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Here's Speroni. He rolls the ball out to Cannon. He's got options in front of him. He picks out Thomas. This is a nice looking move from Palace. That's a neat ball to Ambrose. A space on the right. Good turn. He crosses into Johnson. Oh, yes. Back of the nest. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Review Show. My name is Chris Hambling and I have returned after a couple of weeks' absence to much of the same. Another scoreless game, another defeat at Selhurst Park once again. Scoreless from our perspective, of course. Uh, we see a tale of not taking chances and errors at the back undermine an organised and competitive performance. We'll take you through the key talking points, incidents and performances, and we'll also be going through a selection of your comments and questions too. My panel tonight is Nick Gillard, DR Kernaz, Chris Clark, and we'll be back right with you in just a moment. Love our podcast. Listen to our live radio show on Love Sport every Thursday, 7 till 9 p.m., 558 a.m., DAB Digital Radio and online, lovesportradio.com. Okay, we're back. And uh, I certainly didn't take any time to burp during that break. And uh, a little quick chat with the panel. Uh, first of all, I've got to say hello to Nick. Hello, Nick. Yeah, not bad. I've just eaten an inordinate amount of gammon, so I think I might be burping as well during the show, so I'll try and keep it quiet. Well, it's very topical of you to eat gammon. There's a lot of gammon accusations going about the place uh, <laughs> on various social media, so yeah, good good topical meal. Um, you wanted to mention quickly that there are only two days left at the time of recording to donate to the uh, Marathon March uh, Back of the Nest fun thing that we did. Yeah, I think it's the 13th is the last day, or it's the day they're demanding all the people who haven't made enough money that they've got to make their money by so i'm just assuming it is but yeah, yeah we're, we're at 1500 quid plus at the moment it'd be good if we can get a bit more um i'm sure that we will tweet out the the details later on yeah and a huge thank you to everybody who has donated and supported us it is much appreciated by us but also much appreciated by those um who will be benefiting from the, the funds raised which have gone over 100k i believe um I'm hoping that we'll get an opportunity at some point in the near future to spend a bit of time finding out what the foundation will be doing with that money. I haven't actually technically asked them yet, and that's a bit of a supposition there. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but Mike, Mike Summers is always uh, very good to, uh, to respond to emails and 
to always have your feet to pop down and see him. So I'm sure he'll be accommodating to that. Um, be really good to find out exactly what? where everybody's money's gone. What I will say is I've actually carried on walking, not not continuously, but I've been doing at least five miles every every other day, and it's yeah, just so were, good for body and mind. Really, you're is, a changed so man, aren't you? It's, I am. It's, yeah, it's completely life affirming, life changing for you. And uh, I've walked a couple of times since, but only through necessity. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm hoping to ramp that up a bit. Anyway, uh, let's move swiftly on. Two other uh, marathon walkers with us today, of course. Uh, Dr. Kerner, you're there. Hello. Hello. Uh, you've been talking a lot about having to stroke internet cables to make your internet connection better. What's that about? Internet cables? You mean Ethernet? Ethernet. Yeah, but it's still in it. It's, to me, it's an internet cable. Internet. It's, it's, in that cable is the internet, all right? Yeah, I'm stroking as we talk. Um... <laughs> the cable. Yeah, the cable. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just weird. I don't understand how it works. You have to stroke it for it to work. I, I, I just got well, it a week as well. I, I, I was downloading Football Manager and it was just not working. Then I started stroking it. Then you just started going. Oh. <laughs> we, we've got so many ways to clip that to ruin you. But we'll uh, <laughs> good, good to hear from you, D. I've been a, a while, isn't it? So uh, yeah, looking looking forward to hearing more of your words of wisdom. And we also have Chris Clark. Hi, Chris. Hello. Hello. Um, how you feeling? All good. Yeah, not too bad. I got completely soaked yesterday, like everyone else. Um, but that's partly because Nick and I were both outside at the top of the Homesdale Road stand before the game, handing out leaflets um, against racism and fascism in football. Um, so, yeah, we, we got rid of about a thousand leaflets, I think, which was really positive, oh, wow. very good reception from people. Um, but got absolutely soaked and I couldn't buy any new clothes until after the game. Um, so I'm feeling pretty miserable today, but you know, really proud of what we did. <laughs> Yeah, no, fantastic effort and obviously a very, very worthwhile cause as well. I have to say, I mean, obviously anybody who was there or or even watched it on TV would appreciate just how bad that weather was and the rain was insane at times. I elected not to take a coat um, <laughs> when I left. Yeah, yeah, good work, that. Um, so I had a hoodie, though, So, but it effectively acted like a sponge. So I, I was very wet and miserable throughout the game. And obviously the result didn't really cheer me up any more than that. And uh, yeah, so... Obviously, conditions were a factor yesterday. Also, other factors, apart from the terrible weather, uh, the the usual mutton roll plan didn't work. Uh, Nav and I went for mutton rolls. I unfortunately went off the standard menu and I went and ordered myself some mutton devil, uh, which was extremely nice. And I was really hoping we'd get a positive result so I could have it every week. Uh, and also, it was Nav who paid for it. So it, that would have set the tone. I would have got a free lunch every time. Uh, but unfortunately, Palace didn't come through for me there. Disappointing. Uh, Dr, you've got your hand up already, mate. Yeah, can we add a new segment to the show? Fall of the week. Fall of like, or fall. yeah, fall. So fool. you're fall, Chris, for not wearing like a jacket. Can we add that? <laughs> we can potentially add it. I get a feeling you might dominate it. Okay. Yeah. All right. From next week onwards. We'll do it properly, yeah? All right, yeah. Well, uh, well it's probably a discussion for, for when we're not recording the show, but, but hey. <laughs> hey listen to the as well, because we haven't got a yeah. game next week. Oh, yes, you've won it already. So next week, you won Fall of the Week. No show. <laughs> <laughs> no, can you put your hand down now, please, Dara? It's weird you're just sitting there with your hand up. All right, sorry. <laughs> All right. And uh, I did want to also make a quick reference to the fact that I've had a couple of weeks. So thank you so much for, for Mike Scott stepping in, doing a fantastic job and making sure nobody missed me. So 
Um, really, really pleased to have someone who can who can do that and do that efficiently and bring his own unique style to it as well, which was good. Um, yeah, so thank you. And, um, but I'm very, very glad to be back despite the poor results. I have I have missed everybody. I had a great time in Vegas, but I'm very, very poor now. Um, Blackjack is a cruel, cruel mistress. Um, but there we go. Let's. Uh, well, it's good to catch up with everybody. But let's get on with the match review. I've said that like there's going to be a break and a, and a and like a sting or something there or a jingle of some sort, but there isn't, is there? We just go straight into it. Silence. So the key, obviously the key point to uh, to start with, gents, was yet again we've lost a game with Wilfred Zaha out. Obviously, I don't know if it was a late decision. I think Roy suggested that Wilf was hopeful that he would be fit despite not training. He thought something, you know, something would make him all right on the day. But glad they didn't risk him in a, in a lot of ways because of just how important he is. Um, and Jordan, obviously, Jordan Ayew came in, and we'll talk about the incidents in the game with Jordan Ayew. But I mean, it's a, I don't know, it's an odd question to ask, this, considering we've lost the last thirteen games that Wilf hasn't hasn't played him. But do we think, based on recent performances, that it actually did make that much of a difference? I mean, clearly, are the media overstating it, do you think, Nick? Perhaps, and it might be becoming a bit of a, a, whatever you call it, around our neck, millstone around our neck, um, because there must be some psychological thing in there as well. I mean, we didn't win with Wilf against Middlesbrough, did we? Or without Wilf uh, against uh, Borough in the League Cup. Um, true. So, who knows? I mean, there was a Townsend chance where he was in the sort of area that Wilf would be getting in, and um, I think Wilf may have made, made more of it than Andros did, but that's just speculation. But I do think there's some psychological element. Well, there you go. I mean, well, Dio, do you, do you go along with that? Are the players thinking about that? I suppose they can't help but think about it, considering that the media bring it up every week. But, you know, realistically, if you look at the performance we put in, it, you know, it was it was as good as perhaps you could argue as good as, as how we played against Chelsea and probably Arsenal as well. Yeah, it, it depends on a it depends on the player because some players may view it in a way that it could actually motivate them. Well, Wilf is out; he's our star man, and I should step up my game. And other players can be like, "Oh, Wilf is out; we're going to struggle with this one." So it depends on the player and their mentality. But I thought it was a good opportunity for other players to step up, like. Townsend and Ayu and, and Max also, who I know we'll probably talk about it in a second, but he played out of position once again. So um, I looked at it looked at it in that way and hopefully he plays it as well. I thought in the first half, um, it really did show the side towards, you know, they looked at it that is a motivating factor and that they should step up rather than, oh, we're going to lose a game already without Wilf. So it was, it was good to see. Yeah, definitely. And, and Chris, you go along with that, but I suppose... Another angle really is, you know, Wilf is obviously important to us. Do you think we'd actually have got a better result had he played? I'm not sure it would have made any difference, to be honest, Chris. Um, he's obviously, he's, he's an iconic player and there, there is a psychological element to it. And there's there's the fact that he can do something different and he brings something different to our performances that no other player can replicate because of just the unpredictability. Um, but having said that, you know, I mean... It, this performance was very much the same as you've just said to, as um, against the you know the other two difficult games that we've had over the um, spell that you've been away, and the the truth of it 
is that you know we, we lost on fine margins yesterday, as as we have you know in in the Chelsea game to be for me. So I, I, I don't think that whether Wilf's there was the determining factor. It's just that you know we were our game plan was keep it tight, try not to concede a goal. We conceded a goal. When that happens, you're always up against it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Nick, jump in there, but then I've got a, a point relevant to what Chris is just making. Um, cool. <laughs> You're probably probably talking away on mute for a little while there. Oh, there he is. Hello. Yes. If uh, Wolf was playing, perhaps somebody who doesn't jump in their own penalty area might not have been playing. That's fair. That's what I'm <laughs> that is that is one factor. So um, yeah, obviously back to what you're you're saying, Chris. The fact that it is, you know, it's, it is much of the same. Um, and I had the opportunity, thanks to uh, my my chums at BT Sport, to ask Sam Allardyce what a manager does in that position. And uh, we're just going to hear from Sam in response. So just to give you a bit of a clue, I, I'd obviously asked that question. It was after the game. I'd stated the fact that once again, you know, I'm standing there after the match and I'm, I'm looking at a performance where we played reasonably well. But yet again, I can say the exact same thing. Did well, conceded a, conceded a goal at a bad time, put a bit of pressure on, unable, unable to get rid of it. And my, my question to Sam Allardyce was, what does a manager do in that situation? Because... Clearly, if you're playing well, you don't want to change too much. But if you keep getting bad results, you know, sh- surely you, you have to. So let's hear, let's hear Sam's response. Well, my, my, my instruction to the lads would be starting with a clean sheet because while we're struggling really badly for goals, that, then clean sheets are the most important thing because it's a point. Mm. And you keep picking up the points and ultimately somewhere along the line, those clean sheets will turn into you scoring a goal, however it might be, and you pick up three points and off you go. But if you can keep conceding goals then and not getting your clean sheets, then you're still always going to struggle. I mean, if you're going to lose a goal every game, that means you're going to have to get two goals minimum to win a game of football when you've got a team that doesn't score goals. So that's how important the clean sheet is, and that builds the confidence. Pick up the points, the points then... Uh, start bringing confidence. Then a goal goes in. You win the game one nil. You pick up. Everybody starts moving forward. You look at Newcastle last week. It looked like they were going to get absolutely or did get battered by Watford last minute. Get a, get a simple goal. Good. The week after, what did they do? Win two one. And that's what a difference he can make. Just that difference. But keeping that clean sheet is the most important thing for now. Well, there we go. Any reaction to that, gents? I'll start with you, Chris. Uh, you know, you're missing, you're missing Sam hearing him talk like that. Frankly, yes. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I don't, I don't feel the directness um, in in the press conferences. We're, we're seeing an evasive Roy now. Um, a Roy who doesn't look to know how to get us out of this pattern. So I'm, I'm quite downbeat right now. Um, although I do think that we're playing quite well. This is what is really frustrating about it. Um, just to, as an aside, you know, because we're talking quite seriously about the the Big Sam comment there. I was I was in the Glazers after the game um, when they showed that on BT Sport. Um, yeah, and the sound was off, so I, I wasn't able to um, tell what you were saying. But you know, I was just pointing like a fool at the screen. <laughs> it's Cabo. I know him. <laughs> it was not a hugely impressive moment on my part, getting starstruck. But um, yeah, it was. But yeah, he, he, 
clearly his answer there makes a huge amount of sense, which is, you know, it's that respect the point mantra. It's worked for us in previous seasons and it's what we need to get back to. But how we can do anything different other than try and keep things tight, which I think we are trying to do anyway, it's just making it work and not making stupid mistakes is what we're going to need to do. Yeah, you're right. And you're, you're, listen, you're talking to the guy off the telly right now. How amazing is that? <laughs> measure my heartbeat, mate. Yeah, uh, well, you know. Anyway, um, uh, DR, you now get to talk to the guy off the TV. Hi. Who are you? So look at you. I'm not. I'm not Chris. I'm not going to be um, that soft on you. No. Who do you think you are? Look at you. Oh, oh look, I'm Chris from TV. You, nah, mate. I'm not going to fall for that. Were you on TV? <laughs> <laughs> look, um, going back at um, Sam, uh, Big Sam's comment. Yeah. Um, it makes sense. You are like, I, but I think Roy is using a similar approach by the formation we're playing, 4-4-2 and how we set up every game. So it's not like Roy is deciding to go all out attack and try to score goals. That's not the case. Definitely not. But yeah, so I understand Big Sam's comment. And I love Big Sam as a manager because it does work. If you keep clean sheets, you're going to, you're going to pick up a couple of points, especially if you're having a bad run of form. You're going to pick up a couple of points. That's going to boost the uh, morale of the guys in the, in the training camp and then afterwards you can focus on attack and like that it, it works perfectly but yeah as as chris clark why did i call him chris clark as chris the other chris said <laughs> you're right <laughs> yeah it's just Star two struck. chris's Star yeah as the other exactly <laughs> as as chris as the other shall i call him chris just call him chris call, call me ham all right. be fine all right i'll call you ham yeah. yeah as uh, other chris said um <laughs> We played pretty well. We played pretty well yesterday. So, right, it's, well, it's, it's disappointing. Well, Dylan's clearly having a nervous breakdown of some sort. Nick, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I listened to that, and I, I that's very much Sam's mo when he goes into a club. Anyway, he talked, and it's exactly what he did when he when he came into uh, you know to stave off relegation for us previously. But I think Dr's making a good point in that that is kind of what Roy's trying to do, and it. It does look to me like it's individual errors that are costing us rather than anything lacking from a team aspect. The only sort of credence I would give to it where I'd like to see a change is I think we perhaps invite too much onto us by by being so sort of toothless in attack at the moment. Teams can take risks against us and not really fear that we're even going to convert chances should we create them because we're creating plenty of chances. We just don't seem to be able to put them away. Um, so so how much weight do you, do you put on, on Sam's words in it? I thought he was stating the blinking obvious, to be honest. Um, what I will say is you do need to sort that beard out, mate. You look very unkempt. And um, I did write to BT Sport about the, the um, facial aspects of some of the people they get on and how, <laughs> you know, if you're going to get a tramp on, at least, you know. Um, but... Um, Listen, mate, beard, um... jealous, beard jealousy will get you nowhere. No, look, I've proved myself that I can grow a beard. I just decided I didn't like one and I wanted Mrs. Nick to talk to me again. So that's why it Fair went. Enough. Um, the, the fact is, I mentioned it again, the, the striker in the box who's helping us defend didn't do the defensive job. That was the difference between the teams. We had the same amount of shots, more shots on target than Tottenham. We just haven't got anybody who can put the ball in the onion bag or defend. If Bentec is in that penalty area, no way is he going to let that Tottenham... I can... Foot, is that how you pronounce the Tottenham player's name? Is that the one that, foot. Yes, um, Benteke is not going to let him do that. Um, no. And Benteke would 
probably make a better fist of uh, some of the efforts later on. But yeah, I, I, I think we, we do set out to not concede goals. Um, I don't think, uh, I thought Kelly did well for Tomkin when he came on. It was it was good to have a defender on that we could rely on. It, was, it wasn't the defence that let us down, it was the bloke who plays up front. Well, I mean, that's it's general organisation anyway. You have to perhaps, I think it's a good point you're making because obviously Ayu probably was a late decision to put him in there for, for absolute certainty. Although obviously Wilf's injury goes back to the Chelsea game. But I think perhaps knowing how important Wilf is, I'm sure that the, uh, the, 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 the staff were kind of hoping he had another miraculous recovery. So perhaps the organisation for what Ayu was supposed to do isn't there. But that's no really not really excusing. And when we talk about the goal, I'm sure we'll... We'll make that pretty clear. Look, off the, off the back of that, we, we started edging towards a couple of, of things that I wanted to talk about. But going back to something that, that DR had referenced earlier on, we see we see once again that there's a degree of selection loyalty with, with Roy. Because although we're seeing Mayer start, you know, we're still seeing, you know, James McArthur's playing every game. I think, no disrespect to him, but I think we all would like to see a midfield of Coyote, Luca sitting there with Mayer just ahead of them, all playing centrally in a three, you know, and then seeing seeing players playing in their proper positions, if you like. So Max Mayer, you know, there was booing when he got taken off. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of bad comments from where I was in the ground at the back of the Arthur in Roy's direction, which I don't like to to hear. It's a real shame if people feel they need to verbally abuse someone. You can, you know, you can disagree with him, but I don't think he deserves abuse. Having said that, you know, I'll go back to you, Dio. Max Mayer's playing on the, the left of midfield. You know, why why are we doing that? Why are we persisting with this four four two? What 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 do you think our reasons are? I think you saw it yesterday. Tottenham were constantly attacking our fullbacks and playing out wide. So <clears throat> so by playing four four two, you have a you don't have a winger. So you have a ideally left midfielder, or right midfielder who who can track back. Uh, whereas if you played four three three, you have a winger and they're more focus going forward rather than defending. So I think that's the main reason. Well, that's what I think anyway. So it, it makes sense yeah. in that aspect. But looking at my yesterday, it was a similar story to what happened against Chelsea. You just He's just playing out of position. So I can't really judge him. And I know he, you know, he done a couple of passes, but we haven't seen full potential of Mayer and we won't see him until he plays centrally. He's just not a wide midfielder. And another point I want to add is because I've seen people suggest that Ruben Loftus-Cheek played out wide and it worked last season in 4-4-2 formation. The difference between Maya and Ruben Loftus-Cheek is not technical abilities, but physical abilities. Ruben Loftus-Cheek was able to brush off you know, the midfielders and defenders by just running past them because he was physically strong enough and he's, he's a tall lad. Whereas Maya, he hasn't got that physical abilities and the Premier League is a different game. So you can't really say, oh, Ruben, Ruben Loftus-Cheek played out there, so why can't Maya? But they're just physically not on the same level. And it may seem like a small thing, but it matters. No, I, I completely agree with that. I think it's a really well-observed point because, um, you know, you're not comparing like for like in terms of, of style there. You know, like you say, they're probably both capable of very much the same from a, from a technique point of view. But from the point of view of, of how to play that role. And again, I mean, Loftus-Cheek never really liked tackling back or anything like that. And if anything, Mayer's probably a bit more willing. But I think the general system overall just worked very differently last year. I think, you know, we, we see 
this season, you know, Luca's a, a, a different player. We've not got Kabai in there anymore. We've got Coyote's a very different player. But, you know, there's ways of, of working that system. But I think trying to do the same things with different personnel, you know, it can be a very, very dangerous thing to keep trying. And, I'm, you know, look, we're not dealing with a an inexperienced manager and staff here. We're dealing with people who know know what they're doing and I'm sure that they're that they are they are trying to tweak that system but for whatever reason it's not currently working um so Nick you did briefly have a have your hand up there for, yeah, a, I was, for a comment I was just uh, going to refer back to you saying people were booing when Maya was taken off I'm not sure if it was because Maya was taken off or Schlupp who I thought did all right um was coming on I couldn't make up make my mind up what they were booing for but you're right about um Maya he's he's a little bit more cultured You'd expect him to be in the middle and more play to come to come through him, and you get the impression that he could be a good uh, distributor of the ball. Um, yeah, because he's got yeah. good football intelligence. He's, he's, there's no way he's he's peaked in his career because he's still very young. But if we're, if we're going to play out there, I mean, I use more of a left wing, isn't he, than a, an out and out striker? So if you're going to do that, why not play IU out there on the left hand side and maybe bring Meyer in a bit. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly an option. I mean, whatever. I think Meyer can play in a couple of different places. I think he can play sort of fairly deep lying in that that sort of hole between defence and attack and try and dictate play from there, a little bit like Kabai did. And I also think, you know, he can play in that, that gap between midfield and, and defence in the opposition's area. So, it, so he can you know, obviously try and be that final link if we play through the centre. And I think a lot of people have observed this, where we have a tendency to go wide and cross the ball when we've got no one in there. The second we put someone in there, we always try and play through the middle. It's a bit of a weird, weird system. And obviously the opposition have a bit to do with that because they're, they're not stupid. They they try to force, if you you know, if you've got a player in there, like, for example, Benteke or maybe even Serlov to a point, obviously they're going to be trying to stop you getting wide and getting crosses in. So you are forced to play more through the centre and vice versa. So that that is a factor, but uh, but it is a, but it is a frustrating one. Just Deal. a quick question to Nick. You said put Mayo, uh, put Mayo where up front. Is that where you want to? Is that where you want to see him and put Ayu out wide? Almost, yeah. I don't think I I works hard, but I, he's he's not that brilliant in front of goal. Mind you, who is at the moment where we are? Uh, I think he's Maya's lost a little bit out on the wing. I really do. And if you're going to have anybody out there, maybe McArthur out there because he was doing all right-ish on the wing and he's had more experience of playing there. And also give um, PVA a bit of a chance to to overlap more because, like you said earlier, the, the Tottenham Tottenham were going for our fullbacks, which kind of checked any runs of AWB. And PVA. Well, could just to jump in on that, uh, we had a message in from Nathan Jones earlier earlier today, or perhaps late yesterday. I can't work it out. Um, but he said if Roy is determined to stick with a four four two, surely putting Coyote left midfield will enable Mayer to start pulling the strings centrally. The midfield seems so unbalanced. Thoughts? So would would that be a preferred option? I suppose I'll, I'll ask you it, Dio. Would that be a preferred option? Switch Mayer and Coyote in that formation. But then that creates another problem. All right, Mayer is probably... out of position. Coyote is out of position. It just causes another problem. So I wouldn't like to do that. The best option is playing with uh, three midfielders and Coyote and Luca just sitting back more and 
and Max playing in front of them as like an attacking midfielder and creating options. That's the best option. If you put Coyote out uh, um out on a uh, out wide, then he's going to struggle there as well because he's not a wide player. <laughs> I I think, and I I don't know whether his wage demands were too much, but um, Zachary Bacco, no, Bakary Sacco, sorry, got that wrong. <laughs> Spoonerism there. Um, he could have played either on the wing or up front, and he'd have been a perfect player for us to have in our squad now, just to fill in the fill in the gaps where we've got injuries and ineptness. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he'd made the decision to to leave, and there was talk of maybe him coming back to get another option. But ultimately, I think if you if you're putting all your eggs in the Sacco basket after um, a, a sort of fairly abject uh, few years with Palace, it's I think you're, you're you're asking for trouble. Really, I think realistically, it's about your your recruitment in the summer. I noticed interestingly, Roy making reference to there not being much money available in the summer, um, and how you know I think. We started the season with him talking positively about his squad, and it's as we've started to get poor results, you've heard a few things creeping in there, which a uh, little bit concerning to me, to be honest with you. But um... but hopefully, that leaving Wilf out is him learning a bit of a lesson. I think um, when we're talking about Benteke and the fact that he's had a niggling injury for a long time, and they're actually going to give him the time for him to get better properly, kind of made him think. About well, I'm going to leave Wilf out for these these games after Man United. Um, yeah, so hopefully, maybe. it's made him made me. I don't know. So you know, I, 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 know, I, I know what you're sort of trying to say, but I'll go on, Dale. Yeah, quickly. There's been suggestion that oh, Pete, Wilf should sit out against Man United. Is that what do you guys think about that? Um, should he or should he um, start against United? Because United, realistically, I know United are not that great this season, but they're still a really good team. So we're not favourites going into that game. Would it be worth, you know, keeping Wilf um, out of that game as well and hopefully he doesn't pick up any injuries and then play him against the teams which we're most likely to beat? Well, for, for me, I have to say, certainly, you know, well, in any game against Man United is difficult, but I think we're not in a position where we can start picking and choosing games you know that we we need to be as competitive as we can possibly be in every game. So my my personal answer would be: if Wilf's fit to play, he plays. If he's still struggling for fitness, then absolutely don't risk him. Uh, Chris, your view? I'm struggling with this one. Um, I'd start him. I mean, I think he'll be extra motivated as well. You know, playing against United, you know, a team that didn't a club that didn't exactly treat him well, um, and. I mean, we have ga- we have taken gambles with him in the past, and you know sometimes it does give us problems. You know, we have got those key games coming up, but on the other hand, you know, I mean, we could have had exactly the same conversation about the Chelsea game last season. Well, we've lost seven. Let's rest Wilf. We've got easier games coming up after that, and we beat Chelsea, and that was the turning point. So maybe, maybe this is our turning point. Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You, you, for me, you can't write anything off. You play your you play your best team if it's available. Um, okay, so look, we haven't really talked too much about the game in any kind of specifics at the moment. I think. Do we, we have to? <laughs> we'll, we'll run. <laughs> Fortunately, there weren't there weren't, there weren't too many uh, too many actual incidents to go through. So, uh, well, look, I'll just take us to the to the start of the first half, and I think we started okay. Again, the conditions were a bit well, were terrible, and as Dr likes to point out, we never win in the rain. 
and we, we were uh, yeah. where I was in the ground. We were talking about it, and we were like, "No, no, no, we've definitely won in the rain." And then we all remembered it was just one game. We won, <laughs> we won in the rain that we were thinking of. Nineteen sixty-four. Yeah, yeah, probably about ten, fifteen years ago. So no, we yeah, we don't seem to do particularly well in the rain. But that aside, I thought we started the game quite well, and very early on there was um, you know, it was quite frantic and a, a good, good bit of pressure, a good bit of energy, and we knocked the ball back to Sacco, puts it into the channel. You can see Ayu and Townsend both racing after it. They're either side of uh, of Fuit, the, uh, the centre-back who later on went on to score. And it's Andros who gets there first, hits the side netting. And, you know, I've, I've watched it back a couple of times, and I have to say, um, I think he should do better there. I think, I can't remember who, it's one of you mentioned it earlier on and said that maybe Wilf does a better job there. I think probably Wilf cuts back onto his right foot there and, and has a go instead, which was... Uh, you know, Townsend went with a stronger foot, but uh, was well wide in the end. And, uh, you know, Lloris was covering it pretty well. But you always say go across the keeper. So a good early chance for us, really. And um, again, I suppose I've, I've got to you, Nick. Does that really sort of, although there's an opportunity there, Andros is playing up front, got a good goal um, against Chelsea. But again, not an actual striker. Does it really bring home the fact that we are so bereft of, of forwards who can put the ball in the back of the net? I think it's more that there wasn't anybody that he could cut the ball back to in the box. And I, I, I hate to echo what Alan Shearer said on Match of the Day last night, but we, we just weren't getting the players forward quick enough. And it's been something all season that we there's not enough players getting into the box. And I agree with you, you're possibly putting it onto his right, but we just, we're just not getting the support. What I will say, though, uh, in the early stages was what a different player Luca seemed to be. He was getting lots of challenges in and he, he seemed really, really up for it. And I think that, that helped with us breaking forward a lot more. Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll certainly go along with that, although we'll, we'll talk in a moment about a little bit of a heavy touch that he had. But no, you, you, yeah, I, I think you've, you've picked on something that I, that I really wanted to talk about today. And that was very, very early on, before we even made this chance, I think. Ayu actually broke down the right, did a really good job of getting past the defender. And this is, I think this is about two minutes into the game. And I looked across as he got past the defender to see who he could cross the ball into. Um, and he put a decent ball in. I think it even might have been cleared for a corner, or you know, at least it was it was scrambled clear. But there was one player in the middle, and it was it was James McCarthy who got in, I think, around the sort of back of the six yard box. But the nearest other player, you know, must have been twenty yards away. Probably, yeah, not far <laughs> off. It might as well have been. It really might as well have been. Um, and that's it's a you know you say obviously Shearer picked it out, but it's a hugely noticeable thing. Um, but then we go back to the discussion about trying to keep it tight. Is that part of trying to keep our shape not being susceptible to the break? But for me, that's where I'm desperate for us to be more brave. If you're if you're starting off the game and you've got and believe me, it took a while for him to get down that wing. There was plenty of time for people to get forward. You want to see two, three, maybe even four players in that box supporting that run. Because then it's a much, even if he's playing the ball blind into the area, it's a much, much bigger chance of getting something. We should all be going forward as a team. You know, the whole lot pushing up, pushing up, pushing up and breaking quite quickly. I don't know if that's a thing down to fitness and we don't want to wear ourselves out too quickly in the game. But you look at other teams, when they break forward, the whole team is moving up. Even if they're staying in their formation, they're, they're moving up out a lot more quickly. We've, we've been very slow in doing that all season. Deal. It's because we want to stay up. That's 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 the only like even I'm pretty sure Roy said this that survival is the main objective this season. And that has 
cost us this season in terms of playing attacking football. We haven't played that because we'll rather have a point than risk it for three points, which we might end up with zero points. I know we got zero points yesterday, but it makes sense. I wouldn't, I, I like yesterday, even though everyone didn't push up, we created chances. We had a massive chance where uh, Maka headed the ball towards Kiate, which um, a I think it was a Tottenham, I think it was Lucas or something. It's weird. It's not even a defender who cleared it out, which would have made Kiate right open and go. Like we created chances. It's not like we're not creating chances. I understand that at times there's not, many people inside a box but it makes sense you don't want to push everyone forward and then get destroyed in a counter because you're playing a good team like Tottenham he would like make you um, regret your decision by putting everyone forward and by yeah but, but by the same token by the same token if they've got five or six players back if you're well drilled well organized and you're getting the right players forward you're you're not at risk, or at least not as much at risk. It's not like you're going hell for leather. I mean, you look later on in the game, which we'll talk about. But you know, we were susceptible on the break, and there were a couple of really diff, you know dangerous Tottenham breaks. But we actually had players in and around the area. You think about how much we created in the last twenty minutes. It was ridiculous compared to the rest of the game. And for me, it's about being that brave early on. Get yourself ahead in the game. And when Roy comes out at the end and starts saying. You know, if we'd scored that, we'd have got a point. We've been very happy with it as well. Actually, Roy, it's very, it's, you know, that's that's actually quite a negative way of thinking about things, particularly playing at home. Yes, Tottenham are a good side, but if you look at how, you know, he's, he himself is talking about the gap between Tottenham and us not being that big. Well, you know, you're, you're making it bigger if you're not actually having the ambition to go and win the game and you're, you're satisfied with a point. You should be satisfied with a point, you know, if, if that's all you deserved. But if you're playing well and you're putting pressure on and you deserve more, you shouldn't be satisfied with a point, in my view. Chris? Yeah, I mean, what I, I just wanted to go back to your analysis of that of that initial incident where, where Ayu's breaking and looks up and, you know, there's only Jimmy Mack there. And, and then, really, this comes down to team selection, doesn't it? I mean, partly, obviously, we're missing Wilf, and that, that's, that's a fact. And we're missing Benteke because Benteke would be the target man who you would be looking to hit that cross to. But then who else should be in the box? I mean, I would argue Meyer um, ought to probably, but then, yeah, I mean, wasn't he supposed to be in the position that I was actually in in this particular case? Townsend, I would have thought, ought to be on the edge of the 18-yard box, you know, running in. Um, I, I just don't understand why that wasn't the case. Um, you know, and there needs to be a slightly more positive approach to those opening segments of play. Well, that's well, that's exactly it. You look at it, and you've got obviously you've got Ayu's um, dropped out wide. He's playing as a forward, so immediately you've got a forward who's in on the wing. So whoever's playing on that wing should be in the yeah. box. And you know what? It was right side. MacArthur was right side. He was in the box. So, all right, thing number one, <laughs> that's good. Uh, as you say, Townsend. Don't know where he was. I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't didn't see him, um, which is worrying considering he's the other striker. I think he'd probably drifted out to try and support Ayu on that side. But that's the danger of a player who's naturally a winger playing as a forward. He, you know, he will understand how how to play out on that wing, uh, and he'll look at Ayu and think, "Well, he's out there. There's two players on him. I better go out there and support so we can get that ball in the box." But guess what, Andros? It's supposed to be a ball in the box to you because you're the striker. Um, so I think that's where we, we we see these things falling down. And like I said, this was so early on. And it's obviously it's very tempting to overanalyze these things. But the second I saw that, my immediate thought was if. If we're starting the game 
and we're put, trying to put Tottenham under a bit of pressure, which we were. We were chasing them down. We were high pressing. We were actually winning quite a lot of the ball, and we were looking dangerous. But if we're going to do that, but fail to support it by getting men forward who might actually be able to convert a chance should we create one, then you know we're we're just asking to be. To, you know, for the same thing to happen to lose the to lose the game one 0 which is, I know it's hindsight, but I'm not kidding when I say in that that first exchange there that that's immediately what went, went into my mind. It's extremely disappointing. But there we go. Like, it was we had, we had a we had a chance early on. Spurs do get the next chance. Oh, go on, dear, you jumped yeah. in there. Oh, no. Yeah, believe it or not, even though you were saying like people were not in the box, um, we still had more shots on target than Tottenham. It's not like we weren't having shots on goal Tottenham only had three shots on target we had four and we had six off so we actually created more opportunities up front than Tottenham did and but I think I think at least four at least four or five of those shots were in the last five minutes that's the problem you could say that but then again Tottenham only had three three shots on target right what's so you see, in ninety minutes only, and they're meant to be that good. So that's due to us being solid defensively. Whereas if we actually did push up, then potentially they could have had more shots on target and could have scored another goal. So it's not like we were playing bad. The way you lot are talking about it right now, it seems like we're play- we're not creating. You know, we're playing bad. We're not playing bad. we in the first half. We could have got. Uh, we could have scored a couple of goals, but of course that didn't happen. And that's the story so far this season. Yeah. Look, it is, and I understand the point you're making. But but what I'm trying to say is the trouble we we have this horrible tendency at this moment in time to we we are going behind in games and we're struggling to score goals. And when you look at the fact that once we go behind and we have to chase the game, I understand it's a, a slightly different dynamic. And as as I always say, the opposition are always a factor in these things that, that people often fail to consider. But for me. You know, it's, it is a little bit about risk and reward. If you if you don't take a risk, you won't get you. You know, you're unlikely to get that reward, aren't you? Um, you say we we create and we do, but we we certainly didn't create enough, arguably. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, until until we went a goal behind, Nick. We used to be famous for for coming from behind, didn't we? You were missus. You know that that was us. We we, we used to <laughs> bounce back ability. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, but it, that was even after Dowie, wasn't it? Um, so yeah, that was just my point. All right, good. Look, let's move this move on. I think we could, that's a it's a good good debate, and I think you know I understand certainly understand the point you're making there, Dio. That you know there's opportunities for us to score in that game, and and if we took them, 
it could have been a different game. But there's so many ifs and buts in, in football that, you know, you're just talking about percentages. And if and I say again, if you're not getting in there, you're not putting putting yourself at risk to try and get yourself ahead of the game, then you just end up where we ended up, which is behind and chasing again. Um, look, Spurs did get that next chance, and it's something that, that concerned me. And it was sort of talked about earlier when, when you were saying about the 4-4-2, DR. And that's that um, Spurs got in on the overlap. Ben Davis did it a few times down the right. And obviously, wan once again, having a very, very good game. But I think technically it was MacArthur out there who's supposed to provide that that cover. But MacArthur being a naturally central player always has a tendency to tuck inside and be in the midfield. So quite we're quite susceptible in general to fullbacks overlapping. On this occasion, Davis gets in. Uh, crosses, hit, uh, you know, Deli Ali's got a, a completely free header, unmarked, um, and he really is very, very wasteful about it. I think Pochettino is extremely angry. But um, so I'll, I'll bring you in on this, Chris. Are you concerned, like I am, about how easy it is for fullbacks to get in on the overlap, considering we are playing four four two, and and arguably that then negates the point of that system. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you raise a very important point there about the way that the structure works. And I, I don't think that there's a proper understanding at the moment. We'll come on to um, you know, how the game that Luca had again, um, you know, because I think we're going to be talking about this for a while, unfortunately. Um, but between Luca and Kiate, for me, they ought to be able to shield the defence from those kinds of situations. And the Luca of last year or the year before definitely would have done that, but it just wasn't the case um, here. And, it has to be a concern that a team that is trying to make its foundation a strong and organised defence clearly is susceptible to you know, that particular type of attack because, as you say, it is happening a lot. And our fullbacks, actually, I think, are doing their job quite effectively. But yeah. it's when when there's that cut back, you know, that there's no cover for it. I mean, I'm, I'm then going to say something um, that. You know, he's partly devil's advocate, really, but at the same time, he's quite important, which is um, bringing on Schlupp. Now, you know, I mean, he, he does play that kind of deep midfield role, and he would actually be able to do that. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that he's the most effective player we've got, but I think if, if we're worried and we want to stent, you know, stanch that flow, then, you know, he's, he's the one who can play that role and do that. Well, I think that, that really sums up my biggest problem with Palace at the moment. So, I mean, for me, Jeff Schlupp can play as a winger or can play as a fullback, but we've converted him to a central midfielder when what we actually wanted in the 4-4-2 is for him to play that orthodox winger. But, you know, arguably a defensive winger would be perfect out on the left in the system that we want. And Schlupp would be that if it wasn't for the fact we've now converted him to a central midfield player. And when you see, when he gets picked, he spends most of his time right in the middle on the centre spot. Um, you know, and, and jogs back during attacks and doesn't protect the fullback. So, and that's why he's he's become a bit of a figure uh, for for grief from Palace fans at the moment because you know the role he's effectively and obviously being asked to do. It's not he's not making that decision himself. He's obviously being told to play it that way. You know, ultimately this is a system that we played last year that worked, and I just don't think we've come to terms with the fact that it doesn't work this year. You know, with the personnel that we've got with the way teams are played against us, it is not functioning. And we need, you know, I hate to say it, but you need to go back to the real basics of playing players in a position that they're comfortable with and that they're, that they're you know, used to. And if you're going to play 4-4-2 and you, ha- and you aren't playing orthodox wingers in those wide positions, you know, again, arguably you're asking for trouble. Nick? 
Exactly, and you're, you're saying that I was out wide, which is where he should be because that's his natural position. But when uh, Schlupp came on, I thought he did an effective job. I, I knew that he'd come on because of his speed, and he was worrying the Tottenham, Tottenham right back quite a bit when he did come on. Yeah. I think he really did. Um, so I noticed in your notes, you, you said, is it more dangerous to play well and keep not getting results than it is to do a De Boer? But we're kind of doing both because we've got, you know, Lucas almost, it's like putting Luca, Luca at centre-back. Um, yeah. I think the only thing Luca did wrong, though, um, was that misplaced ball where, where he thought he had more time. And I think our biggest problem, and I think it was, um, we were talking to Alan O'Brien on Love Sport, he, he, a tactical genius by all accounts, um, who said, we're playing well, we don't deserve to lose, we should stick with it. All people calling for Roy's head should, you know, stick with that. But he's, there's, where's the communication on the pitch? Where's, where's the people shouting? Where's, where's the people saying, Luca, man on? Or it used to be the crowd that did that. But yeah. well, how much time have players got on the ball? Do they are we just relying on knowing where somebody is rather than being told where they are? Do we miss Punctions pointing? Is he actually pointing at anything relevant? And we haven't got that on the pitch. There, there doesn't seem to be a Jedi type. Let's lead the team and let's get them going. And I don't know whether Luca is is up to that job. Well, I, I look, I think that's happening, and I think that's why Roy is picking certain players. But oh, go on, dear, you you jump in there, mate. Yeah, it's not it's not like. Um, Luca was just had the ball. It was a poor touch that led to um, Tottenham breaking away. It was it was a poor. Uh, it's not like the players were not communicating and Luca didn't know that. The Luca Luca has played in the Premier League for a while now. Luca is a is a professional, and we've seen him play in the Premier League at top quality. There's clearly something. I know last couple of weeks he's he's slightly improved, but this season he's not he's he's not his own old self. So there's clearly something wrong there. But it was a poor touch. It's not. The matter of communication. Um, so I disagree with you there, Nick. Now, let, let, let's not forget it's a poor touch in terrible, terrible conditions as well. You know, I've I think we probably all played football in the pouring rain, and um, you know, I usually trap the ball further than most people can kick it, and I'm really, you know, <laughs> I, 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 that, that is really, really emphasised when um, really emphasised when uh, when it was wet. But I think that's more about the conditions. But yes, you know, you you know that was really the next incident in the game that you're both talking about there, uh, where he ended up with Kane and he uh, and he shot a good good save from Wayne Hennessy there. Uh, but yeah, you know, look, Luca has struggled this season. I, I'm in the camp of thinking he's got a lot better over the last few weeks, and I'm starting not to have any real concerns there. I think clearly. So as as I was sort of rambling onto myself, <laughs> um, I think Luca has has improved of late, and I think. Like, I just think he miss, misses the experience and security of having Kabai next to him. But he looks better alongside Coyote. Uh, seeing as we, we were getting connections issues there with me, I'll, I'll try and rush through this a little bit. That took us up to half time. That's really all the major incidents in the first half. Uh, I summed it up as wet and a bit dull. <laughs> and nil-nil was a fair reflection. And of course, guys, we started the, the front, on the front foot in the first half. A uh, couple of incidents almost identical. Where Wan Pazaka was getting forward on the right hand side. Was getting involved, uh, some, creating some real havoc down there. Uh, one us a corner, came in, Lloris came out and flapped at it, landed with Tompkins. He had, sort of loops the ball back into the area, gets scrambled clear. And you think, oh, you know, that's a, you know, that's a good effort. And then almost the exact same, the same thing happens when Pasaka does really well to win a corner. This time it, it misses Lloris and lands straight on the head of James Tompkins. And my word, Chris, my word, that was close. 
Yeah, and we're, we're used to Tompkins getting a decent effort on target, and it was disappointing. And it, you know, I mean, it, it's that's the one, isn't it? And if you you think about the different atmosphere there would then have been in the team and in the ground if that had gone in. Um, yeah, it would it would definitely have changed the game. And again, with with it's luck, I think is is a huge part of football and life. And um, yeah, that didn't work out. And we know what happened afterwards, but um, you know you'd expect Tompkins to do better. He normally does, um, and of course we lose him after that as well through the injury, um, which is worrying. And I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen any reports of how long he's going to be out with that. Hopefully, he'll be back for the next game. But um, you know, he, we don't do well when he's not playing either. Yeah, as I understand, it was just a knock to his knee, and they didn't seem too concerned about it. Chris mentioned the atmosphere yesterday. What did you guys think? I thought the atmosphere yesterday was brilliant, and I honestly did not accept, uh, expect it after the disastrous start we've had at um, Sellers Park this year, both on the pitch and off the pitch. The HFR, of course, gone. But yeah, what do you guys think of the atmosphere yesterday? I thought it was really good at times, and I, well, you know, we've tried many games. I've said it before. We've tried Monday night football against big teams, but I did not expect that yesterday against Spurs because it was just out of the blue. Um, what do you guys think? I don't know. I'd, I'll be honest, I, I could hear the Tottenham fans louder than I wanted, so I wasn't too impressed. But, you know, obviously there's a there's a guy with a drum in the Arthur who's, who's giving it a go. It seems to get people going, which is nice. Um, definitely needs to learn some sort of rhythm and uh, not to get excited and speed up all the time. Um, but having said... Is it Ringo Starr? Yeah, could, could well be, actually. It's that type of thing. But if it would start off with a slow number and it ends up as thrash metal, yeah. But... Um, no, he, yeah, it's you know I'm a, I'm an ex ex drummer myself. It's you know keep keeping time is tough when you get excited, but um, but there you go. No, listen, anyone making a, an effort to create an atmosphere and to help gets my vote as a you know as as a as a proper fan. So I like it. Um, but I don't I think say- it's fair to say Dio was right about the atmosphere um, yesterday. That it was a lot better. Um, I mean, you know, I, I sit in the White Horse Lane, um, so we're a long way from when the majority of the noise comes from, and we're much nearer the away fans. But there were more songs to sing along with, and that always helps. You know, I mean, I'm usually one of the only people clapping and singing around me, but that creates a ripple effect. Um, you know, we, we had some good noise yesterday, and it was it was a fun day. So, you know, despite the despite the result and the weather, you know, I, I enjoyed singing those songs again. And um, you know, we, we need to keep that up in future home games. Yeah, it would have been nice to have a have a goal to celebrate and really see how how it, how it would go. But yeah, obviously, still look, we're still missing the atmosphere that we did have. But I, I don't know. There was a sustained 10, 15 minutes of Roy Hodgson's Red and Blue Army. Um, I know Cape Town Kev, who listens to the show, tweeted that the fans were very, very quiet, and there was a bit of a Twitter discussion going on about where the cameras, where the cameras, where the microphones are now placed. Because I I thought it was the best atmosphere possibly of the season. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. Even when we were losing. I'll be, honest, 100% agree. I'll be honest, I hadn't really thought about it until he said it. Look, you know, it, there were songs. <laughs> and, and that's and, and, and anything is good because it's been quite dismal. Um, there you go. So, no, no, good point. Well made. And um, I hope it continues. But uh, I just hope we get back to past glories as soon as possible, really. What's, what's really concerning, and I know this is a bit off topic, but 
My teenage son has been really good. He's offered to make me a cup of tea. I don't know what he wants. Any any listeners know where a teenager suddenly changes to being a little what's it to suddenly being nice. It's it's one fantastic. of two things: either he needs money or he lost his virginity. He's just holding his hand out, so I don't think it's the second <laughs> one, which I won't mention because he'll go red. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, let's get on with uh, talking about the rest. So obviously, huge miss from uh, from James Tompkins. Massive, massive chance. Uh, then goes off. So for me, um, Kelly comes on. Kelly did a good job when he came off the bench. But I, I think arguably, you can look at it uh, and say that... that... <laughs> yeah, oh, I can hear you giggling, Nick, and I have made myself laugh as well. But, um, but the... Um, I think Roy mentioned it after the game that he said that, you know, again, Kelly did well, but that, that was a factor in us conceding the goal. So from the, 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 the Spurs corner, um, Kane just, just basically gets a run on, on Martin Kelly, gets ahead of him. Um, it's a, it's just too easy for the Premier League. You, you don't want to see that. Luca gets a sort of knee to the header, ball loops towards Jordan Ayew on the back post. And as I've written in my notes, which I'll read verbatim, he is presumably thinking about the fact he has a letter to post on his way home or what to choose for dinner as Juan Foyt jumps in to head in. So, obviously, the majority of the team in and around IU tell you exactly who was responsible for that goal, and that is Jordan IU. You can see, he was, by by the time the ball was hit the back of the net, he started to sort of try and clear it, <laughs> um, which is obviously a fraction too late. And he looks like he's trying to clear it with his foot as well. So Luca very uh, animatedly minds that he should be trying to head that out. I've seen some criticism of PVA for not reacting, but I've said this in my notes as well, that I think that the slow-mo replay is extremely misleading there because not only is that, that going past him quickly, but like everybody else in the whole world, he's looking at Jordan Ayew to react, to do something with that ball that's looping down directly onto his head, but he hasn't moved. Um, and Ayew can't react. Sorry, and, and PVA cannot react uh, until something has happened in front of him. So it's it's very unfortunate, but he's got about half a second at most to try and jump up and get his head on that uh, from on the line. So but disappointing. And, and obviously we had a player on the line, so you, you're gutted that he doesn't get it. But the fault has got to be with the failure of Jordan Ayew to react. And I'm going to start with you, Chris. Clearly, that's that's my my view on it and my analysis of it. So let's have yours. It's identical, unfortunately. Um, I mean, I, I watched yeah, <laughs> I, I watched that back quite a lot of times. And I mean, the the best thing, as you said, I mean, it was Sam pointed it out before I'd even watched the replays of it. The the way that Luca is miming um, to IU, like, what the hell were you doing? Why did you not head that? Um, I think everyone would have expected that that's the obvious thing for someone to do. Now, I know he's not as big of stature as someone like Benteke, um, but Benteke would definitely have headed that out. I think any other player would have headed that out. I, I just cannot understand why he just freezes. Um, and I, I don't think it's particularly forgivable to be honest I mean I'm, I'm glad he's on loan I'm glad we've not paid for him and you know I think we wave goodbye yeah um yeah he's certainly certainly not going to win anyone over with that deal look it's weird because I thought he had a good first half in terms of hold up play and as you said him at times there, there wasn't that many people to support him I thought he had a good first half but you look at that and he's just 
determination. He's he, that's that's it. It's not. It doesn't matter who it is. If you're determined enough, you'll go for that ball. He just watched it happen. And I honestly, as you said, I honestly don't know what he's thinking. And it's just so annoying because we held them so well and we'll pressure them on the other side of the pitch. And then one corner changes the whole game. And after the squad, it was, of course, going to be a struggle beating the well-organised Pochettino side. So it's just so frustrating. I honestly don't know. Like I know some people are arguing and saying that he should go back in January. But then if he goes back in January, I know this is... I know he hasn't done much, but we you rely on Solo. We're, we're in a bad position going forward. And I'm slowly starting to get worried because we're only out of the relegation zone by goal difference, I believe. So it's a bit tight down there. Well, I mean, on, on IU, I, I can't say exactly what, what it is, but, I, you know, the deal we did on that was a was a very, very good one. It's extremely low risk for us. but And obviously, you know, the fact that he's being used clearly means it was, you know, we were, it was necessary to get a player of that type in. It's unfortunate that the amount he runs around and the effort he puts in is, isn't at the moment being matched by, by quality and effectiveness on the pitch. Um, but going back to the incident, Nick, if you could, we've got a comment in from Palace Dino, who said, uh, as, as I'd reference about PVA, why didn't PVA jump ball watching? It's like they were frozen in time. Um, is it is it you know in your in your view is it fair to to look at PVA? I mean, when he says they were frozen in time, was it more than one player? No, it was, it was all I, which is a shame because as Diaz alluded to, and that was the only thing I think he did really, really badly in one game. And it, it's the same with um, when we go back in time, we lost 1-0 because of a Hennessy mistake. He, it's the mistake in that particular era. In fact, I don't, it was a, a can't be asked I don't know. Is it is because it he's a lone player? Is he is he trying to get in the team? Is he Did he have Tottenham to win down at the Brookies? I really don't know, but it's it's... Sam, you're going to have to bleep this because it was f***ing unacceptable. The fact that he didn't jump is not acceptable in a Premier League team. Yeah. It is woeful defending. And I don't know what was up with him, but it's cost us three points. And maybe at the end of the season, may cost us our place in the Premier League. And it's just scandalous that he didn't do anything I'm going to jump in with, a, with another uh, bit of contact that was that sent to, to me uh, just after the game from uh, Biz Creative Media. Um not sure who that person is. I don't think you're, you're not, his name is actually Biz, but uh, I think that's probably the name of his company. Is it? Is it a hyphenated uh, surname? <laughs> yeah, creative media hyphenated. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be a great surname. <laughs> 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 anyway, to state of the bleeding obvious, I know, but to survive in the Premier League, we need an effective striker, and IU is not the answer. They also adds nor is Benteke, but I think people are starting to miss Benteke, especially on this show by the number of times people bring it up. But I'll ask you that, Dr. So he says that we need an effective striker, but how easy is it to go out and get one? Exactly. And that's the problem. Of course, we need an effective striker. It's not rocket science, but knowing our financial position, we're not. it's not like we're swimming with money in a bank. We're struggling. We're not, we don't have that much funds. And then who, who can he get? It's just, it'll be, it'll be miraculous if you get a prophylic, prophylic? <laughs> prolific yeah. <laughs> yeah um it would be amazing if you get a, a prolific uh, striker with the funds that we have so it's just going to be a struggle and i don't know is the scout the scouting team hopefully have done a good job and in january we do pick up someone we'll link with danny welbeck of course but he's even he had injury problems and we can't get him because he's out for the rest of the season so yeah, yeah. we need a striker, but it's not easy 
No, you, you, it's really poor luck. And we've shown ourselves that you can go out, spend 30 million quid, and you get a good one good season out of a, of a player, and then he, and that's it. He just, that's, you're done. So there's no guarantee that spending money actually gives you that success. It's really, you know, like you say, it's, you've got to, you've got to be, you've got to be very lucky with form and someone who fits into your system. And that's, that all comes down to scouting the right players. And, but ultimately it's all going to be a risk. Um, I think it's interesting to see that people were very critical of Benteke, but you know, it seems whoever plays up front for us struggles to to find the net on a regular basis. So you could point to the fact that maybe the striker himself isn't the problem and the system is the problem. Um, we'll come back to that as well because we've got a question on that. But I just want to take us back to a few of the few of the events that happened after we conceded a goal because obviously. Soon as we go a goal down, we we find that urgency we've been talking about, and as I put in brackets in my notes, someone please tell them they can play like this before losing games. Uh, but we were susceptible on the break, and one of those instances, Lamella got very very close before the hen came out and pecked the ball away. Um, Serdov came on for for MacArthur, Jeff Schlupp on for Max Meyer, which attracted the booing we talked about earlier. A couple of little chances. We had a bit of pinball in the box. PVA had a shot deflected to Andros, half volley, but too weak, straight to the arms of uh, Hugo Lloris and I suppose last real moment for Palace uh, gents Serlop much maligned um, you know player who's struggling to make a real impact at Palace a lot of fans not happy with uh, his quality and seemingly the club um, don't rate him well enough to actually start him in games so you know we're pretty get a pretty clear message about him there came off the bench did all right you know what you know was it was a was at least a physical presence up there, but he gets through on the left of the box. Anywhere you like. Anywhere you like, other than straight at the goalkeeper, please, Serlop. And, uh, yeah, straight at Lloris. Uh, a massive miss. And obviously, you know, Nick, that's that's it for us, isn't it? That sums us up. You know, the striker comes off the bench. We're looking for a hero. And uh, we didn't find one. Indeed. Um I didn't think the miss was as bad until I saw it. I actually defended him until I'd seen the replay. And he's, he's got to put that across the goal into the corner, hasn't he? Surely that's what strikers are there to do. That's what they're taught to do. That That's what makes them top-class professionals. I don't know. But is it, again, a psychological thing just to just to break his duck and get that first goal? You can see he's trying, you know, in the, in the he's trying, to, he's trying to almost do it on instinct, right? He hasn't got his head up. He's run yeah. and he knows where the goal is and he's just thinking, I'm going to get my foot behind this, get some power behind this. I'm just going to smash it. But as you say, Nick, uh, a top-class striker needs to be composed enough to know that get that ball across the keeper. Look, if you if you drag it, then the chances are you've got someone following it up anyway or you get a touch of a defender, it might go in or you at least get a corner out of it. You know, if you drag it, that that's that's not. But if you connect properly with it and the keeper saves it, you still got to push it out towards players. You know, the only real argument against hitting it across the keeper is if you can hit it the other side high into the net, like a few players have been doing of late. Um, you know, that's that's the other way. But you've got to be a very composed finisher, uh, not be looking for your first Premier League goal when you do that. It's all about again go back to playing the right percentages. I got it. But yeah, even that will just smash it into the ground uh, and it bounces over the keeper. But in his defence against Arsenal, he came on, we looked like a different team. Uh, against Tottenham yesterday, he came on, 
we looked like a different team. Whether that was down to him or whether that was the attention that Tottenham gave to him because they thought, oh, here's this big bloke. But he won a few headers and I, it gave us another kind of outlet. And he he didn't drift out wide, did he? Like he has done. Well, look, Nick, for me, the, the jury's out on him because I'm not convinced that it's him coming off the bench that's having that impact. I think he comes off the bench at a time where we where we drop all caution and, and try and get ourselves back into a game. So that that's my view. And um, we had a question in from Jack CPFC uh, on Twitter. He said, is it time to give Sir Lot a start? Well, I've, I'll give him my view. Although, having said that, you know, I'm game for him starting ahead of, of Jordan. Are you? Certainly. Uh, I'll give him a go. But what's your views, dear? Well, we did give him a start against uh, Borough. And he was really awful there. Lack of effort. He wasn't going when the balls were getting crossed into the um, into the box. He wasn't going for um, balls, and also his touch wasn't as good. So we have gave him we, we have given him the opportunity. He hasn't took it well. And yesterday it was a similar case. When we, all right, cool. He, his build up play, uh, you know, his hold up play, and him bringing other players into the game that was good enough. But we need goals, and he's not bringing us goals. So on that basis, I probably wouldn't give him a start. And I know we talked about it earlier, but it depends if. Me personally, I wouldn't be too annoyed if Roy doesn't play Wilf. But if Roy does play Wilf, then I guess it'll be Wilf and Andros up front anyway. So I doubt he will start. Quick word from you, Chris, on Sirlock before we close off the show. I think we need to play with a target man. And therefore, as as he's the one we've got, then you have to play play with play him until January. Um unless Benteke comes back. But Benteke's not coming back. So yeah, we for me it's time to give him a start. And apart from anything else, if he's on the goal line, he won't even need to jump. If anyone has got a random header looping him, whereas <laughs> IU does, yeah, and no, then fair, doesn't jump. Fair point. Um, I think it's. I think that he's, he's an interesting player. We haven't really. Uh, Dio, have you put your hand up again, or is it still up? Yeah, oh, yeah, cool. no, yeah. Uh, but he, the thing is, yes, he doesn't have to jump, but he doesn't go for against Middlesbrough. It was so frustrating. The ball's getting crossed into the box, and he just stands still. He doesn't go for the ball. And if that's going to be the case, then what's the point of even starting him as a target man, where he's not gonna he's not going to do his job inside the box? So I don't like. I wouldn't start him if he's not if he does the same if he has the same impact that he did have against Middlesbrough. Yeah. So. I don't know. No, I get it's the just, point. He's, whatever happens, he's got an awful lot to prove because um, he has been given some opportunities. Uh, maybe a run of games, it will be different, you know. But I, I, I'm I'm far from convinced. I think there's a player there who could develop into something reasonable. But right now, I'm a uh, you know I'm I don't believe he's the answer to our problems. Let's put it that way. Okay, um, obviously there was one last moment in the game and it was for Spurs and that's where Son got through and uh, missed as we were we kept pushing. But obviously game ended 1-0. Uh, Roy's quote was, you could basically... Hang on, hang on. Sorry. I thought Martin Kelly did fabulously well to get back there and to put him off. I thought he was excellent. I think it was Kelly putting the pressure on Son uh, more than Son missing. Okay, I really I'll do. give you that, Nick. But we, really we, do. But you're probably right. We are running low on time, hence the way I was speaking quickly there. So I didn't want to dwell too much on that. But no, good point well made. Uh, Roy said, you could basically just quote everything I said against Arsenal and Chelsea because it's exactly the same situation. My uh, my response to Roy would be, you can basically just quote everything I said on Twitter after those games about what I want you to do differently. Um, but, you know, look, it, I, I get where he, look, he's frustrated. He's kind of a very frustrated figure. I think we are, as a support 
sport base. We are also frustrated. He's getting questions a lot. He seems more um, willing to make subs, um, but I think we're, we're not really seeing us. Well, look, bottom line, I'll go back to what I've been saying multiple times. I just want to see us be braver and tr- actually go out and try and win some games because I don't, I don't want to. F- you know, you go you go down with a whimper if you're not careful, just by saying you, you play well every week and you're not getting the rub of the green and you're playing difficult teams and blah 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 blah. You can say that if you go if you beat you know the likes of I don't know Wolves. Who else do we play at home? We should have beaten Southampton, I guess. You know, if you if you win those games, you can say we were unlucky against the the, the, the top teams, but we didn't win those games. We showed a similar lack of ambition. We showed a similar fo- focus on shape rather than actually trying to go out and get ourselves ahead in those matches. So I, ultimately I feel disappointed and I think Roy's got to do something very, very different. Um, I was going to say man, man of the match for anyone. I think most people, from what I recall, picked Wan-Bissaka again because he was excellent. Uh, any other views on that? Coyote. Coyote for no, you? Not, yeah, yeah, Coyote for me. Oh, he's brilliant. I, I, I'd pick him as well. Oh, good stuff. Chris? Coyote. Nice. Right. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. I think you watch a different game. <laughs> oh, I just, I can just remember so many times Wan Pasaka uh, got a foot in where I didn't think he was going to get a foot in, um, and I just thought he he attacked brilliantly down that flank in the second half as well. I think he just, he just, it's a complete performance from him every week. So uh, maybe, maybe you guys have got bored talking about how good he is, but there you go. Um, However, quickly, our Twitter poll, shall I quickly yeah. read the... Yep. Uh, Kriata got 26% of the votes. Uh, Andros got 27 and the actual winner was Sacco with 29. Really? So, yeah, the people didn't, yeah, people vote for Sacco. Was Wampa Sacco in the poll? Uh, he was part of other comment below and no one really mentioned him. Well, you're all- But someone did say, someone did say, um, at, uh, I, honestly, that name, Jordic Go- okay, yeah. Anyway, someone at Goat, he said, <laughs> said the fence was great today. And someone, and Sonja Ross, they say it has to be Aaron Wambasaka as he worked his nuts off again. So, you, yeah, there were a couple. Did of you things. put that poll out? Uh, No. All right, so it was probably Mikey. Maybe I did. Oh, you did? <laughs> Next time, can you, you put Aaron Wambasaka in it, please? <laughs> anyway, uh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, cool. yeah. I'm, just, I'm not saying you were wrong, but you're wrong. Um, Okay, last little bit. We'll round, we'll round up the uh, the contact that we had. Uh, let's not dwell too much on that. Mark Cole, just how effed are we on a scale of much to Rackick? Listen, mate, I don't like your scale there. <laughs> because um, much to Rackick, I mean, it's, it's like rubbish to rubbish, isn't it? Um, but I think at the moment, I don't think we're completely, completely screwed. But I think if I was to pick a point on a scale from brilliant to bad... I think I'd be picking Wayne Andrews at the moment. Um, I, I think well, I am very worried. That's that's how worried I am. Um, Chris, if you could pick a player to sum up our current situation, who would it be? Shamak. <laughs> oh, well, he was good. Ooh. You think we're all right? Yeah, okay. well, <laughs> yeah, he was good, but that's the point. He was good, but if you look at the numbers, he wasn't good. He oh, played well. That, that's what, and that, that's the thing. I think that's where we are, isn't it? But very I do clever. think it's rescuable. Too too clever for my liking. Di, if you could pick a player, who would it be? Um, Wayne Hennessy. Uh, what? Uh, like two seasons ago. Two seasons ago. <laughs> okay, like it. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a tough question. I'd I like the Shamak one. I'd go for um, 
who's got loads of promise but hasn't really produced it yet johnny williams um <laughs> johnny williams yeah okay we could be i don't think i, I don't think we are if whatever um whatever he said was i don't think we're that that badly off i i don't think we'll get relegated i do think we'll come good um i think we're too good to go down i think that um we've got to get a bit of perspective in that we've played tottenham we've played arsenal we've played chelsea and i know you can go on about the games before but we need to take a lot of heart from our performances it's that one thing from i yesterday that, that stopped us okay from getting a point from that game all right so uh goaler cpfc got in touch and said the run after united is easier but on past results we still struggle how many games before we accept a major change in structure strategy and tactics now i think we've kind of covered the the point that we are in a difficult matches and also that we all feel obviously the games that came before weren't great um, and that we would like to see a change uh, but major change I'm not so sure but if this carries on gents obviously three easier games coming up arguably after United um, I'm just going to ask one of you and I'm going to go with Chris how many more games before you panic? Four <laughs> there you go. Spark. Right. Well, we've got United no, that's and we've got those three decent I don't want ones. Any... Yeah, the three ones that we we should be targeting. Yeah. So if that, if we don't get some, you know some decent results out of those, I'd be looking at a minimum of six points out of the three games after United. Otherwise I'd panic. Great. All right, good stuff. Uh, Andy Sparrow has asked a question that I should never have left till last because it's a really good question and it's something that we could probably talk for another hour on. But I'll ask it and then we'll have a very brief chat about it before we end. Uh, do the panel think that poor performance and tactics are down to Roy Hodgson and the coaching team or is the root cause an unsatisfactory transfer policy? If you had to pick one, DR, is it bad, bad transfers or bad tactics? It's a mixture of both. It is. <laughs> yeah, it's a mixture. We've got, so who do we, we brought in Yak, Rakip, uh, which we bet, well, Rakip, we didn't see at all. Serloff, uh, who else did we bring in? Gaita, who hasn't played. Uh, Max, who hasn't really played as much. So it's a mixture of both. Um, I feel like the players haven't been good enough. And also tactically, we've been, of course, a bit defensive uh, minded this season due to us trying to stay up rather than push up the table, which makes sense financially. But as supporters, of course, you don't really like that. Good stuff. Nick, anything to add to that? We needed a striker. We were hoping strikers were going to come back as well. They're all knackered all the time. And the striker we got isn't as good as perhaps we thought when he came in. I don't know who told Roy to get Sorlot, whether he, he looked at him himself, whether it was down to Dougie, but... So it's a bit of both. I think we're, we're unfortunate with the injuries and I think it was a mistake to, to have Benteke playing through that injury because I think that that's what carried on his goal drought because he, he felt he couldn't play as well possibly as he could because he, he had this niggling thing and he didn't want to make it worse. I'll, uh, I'll answer that question about where Sirlock came from after the show <laughs> for you. Just for you, Nick. Um, well, no worries, mate. Sorry, everyone at home. I just I got very nervous about betraying confidences after something I said on Love Sport last season. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you've learned your lesson. I, I, I really have. <laughs> I've done so much abuse for it. Um, anything to add yourself, Chris, about the the transfers versus the current coaching setup? I think that the the obvious gap that we have now is 
I mean, obviously, the, the playing personnel is what it is, and it can't change until January. Um, the, the transfer policy is a problem, especially when, as Nick said, everyone could see we needed to sign another striker, and it, it didn't happen. I mean, we signed IU, um, and look how well that's gone so far. Um, but the, the real glaring absence is, um, I, I can't remember his surname, really, annoyingly and embarrassingly. They've got Steve something, the guy who was um, the assistant coach. Stephen Reid. Stephen Reid. Um, we miss that dynamicism on the sidelines desperately. Um, you know, you don't. Roy doesn't get animated. Um, he does stand up and look a bit sad when we go one nil down. But <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that is just as bad for me as Pardew dancing when we score. You need to be actually telling people what to do. And Stephen Reid did that, and Roy doesn't. And that's one of the real reasons for our degradation this year for me. Well, Dave Reddington has replaced him. Um, uh, unfortunately, a figure that's not too recognisable for most people. Um, I'll be honest; I haven't been watching the bench, but perhaps I will do a bit more and see how see how involved he gets. Given that he's he's the direct replacement for Stephen Reid, who who unfortunately had to mm. leave for his own reasons, which we uh, we're not privy to. So, anyway, thank you, everybody. So, thanks for listening. Thank you to my panel and obviously to Sam for producing as well. You can subscribe to our show via your chosen podcast app, so you don't miss a thing. Obviously, we do three shows a week these days. We strongly recommend that you subscribe. Um, Dio's got his hand up. Yeah, quick one last question. Surely we have to answer this. Uh, please, quick, like it makes sense. Uh, Stephen Rodden, when will we score from a corner? We've been poor, like we've had 10 corners yesterday, and we didn't look well. Of course, Tompkins had that one chance, but all season long, we've had so many corners, and we haven't really been fretful from them. Um, is that something that we should improve on? Uh, should focus on rather than you're going holding, forward? You're holding up my dinner for this, mate. But um... yeah, but come on, that has to be answered because we're not scoring I, goals. So surely that should be something that we should focus on. We could get potentially I, a couple goals from corners. I think it's a worry because I think we're now the only side in the Premier League not to have scored from a from a corner or a free kick. I believe. I don't think we scored exactly. From exactly, and so... we could get goals from them, which could make us win games and get points. So. Mm, I don't know. Point. I don't. I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's our organisation at those things, or I don't know whether it's the delivery um, or a combination of both. Um, but like you say, we should have scored from a corner um, against Spurs. Perhaps one for uh, future discussions as well. But I agree, definitely a concern. And thank you to to Stephen for the question. Um, sorry, I couldn't give it more time. Blame Dion. Uh, so I was halfway through my party, wasn't I? Uh, so yeah, subscribe. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who got in touch to help shape the show. Uh, you can all do the same. Make sure you engage with us on social media. Just search Back of the Nest on whatever media thing you're looking at. We're on, we're on what we're on the Twitters, aren't we? The Facebooks, uh, Instagram, yep, um, Ebos, uh, MySpace. No, we're, not, yeah. we're, not. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're on Instagram, French Reunited. Uh, <laughs> Everywhere, just search <laughs> Back of the Nest, and yeah, get in contact. Good questions yeah. this week. Yeah, it's great. Um, obviously, we will be back uh, midweek for the Love Sports show, um, but then obviously it's an international break, so the preview show won't be back until the week after uh, when we play Man United. And then obviously the review show will be back to review that game. Cheers. Bye. See ya. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. 
Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.